Hello, and welcome to Perspective. This is a show by founders of small creative agencies, giving our perspective on starting our own companies. Uh, the aim of this podcast is to provide some useful advice and inspiration to others, as well as learn from each other and others we may get to come talk on the show. This is our third episode. My name is John Dark. I'm a director at Every Interaction, and with me I have Dan Gent from Lighthouse London. Hello, John. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Fantastic. Uh, last week we spoke about costs and you know, how we go about charging our clients and the natural thing we thought to talk about next might be pitches and proposals. Once we've had our initial conversations with clients, how we take it to the next level and what level of effort we go into to, uh, to try and win the work, I guess. Just gone through this very recently. We've just had a big pitch the other day, which is an interesting experience. Oh. Yep. <laughs> I guess the first thing to decide is uh, what's what's your definition of pitching? What do you guys do when somebody comes to you with new business and you start talking about the project? At some point, they're going to need something a bit more official. Obviously, the purpose of this is to define some parameters around which the project's going to run by, is to essentially justify the costs to some degree. Mm-hmm. What do you guys do and how do you go about it? I just I get upset. <laughs> They're quite, they're quite different. So, what, how would I define between a pitch and a proposal? Yeah, what's mm. what's your definition and the differences between them? So, I mean, a pitch, I suppose, is like a meeting entirely on their terms, normally carried out the same day as they're meeting a load of other people, mm-hmm. and depending on who they are and what their process is, it can be quite structured as to what you've got to say, what you've got to talk about. Yep, I think they're horrible. it's a bit high pressure isn't it well and just i just don't rate them as a method of choosing who to work with i think that's my Mm -hmm. problem with them i think i I have a general problem in business and maybe even in life which is if i don't like think something's if i don't rate something i literally just am down on it and give it zero effort and um Mm -hmm. And pitches essentially fall into that category because I, I, I suppose I see, I've seen the value more of them as I've got more experience. But I used to just be, you know, we we don't pitch. Pitching's broken. I mean, I've sat across to the other side of the table and had pitches to me, and just thought, "What are you doing? You losers." <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean, I suppose. I suppose in some people's process at a certain level, it's it's kind of seen as the thing to do, but it feels like a hangover, right? From like I think of Mad Men when I think of pitches. It is a bit old school in some respects, and yeah, when when it comes to actually pitching, we don't we don't do any actual work, especially creative work of any kind. Mm-hmm. Obviously, back in the agency days when we were working at the same company, yes, that's what everybody did. In the early 2000s, everyone, you basically did the beginning part of the project and you just jumped straight into doing concepts. You would quite often go in with like three completely different design <laughs> directions and like show, look what we can do. And uh, the theory behind that was that you're demonstrating what they might get if they choose you. Mm-hmm. The problem with it is that I think it's pretty throwaway uh, if you do any work for a pitch because you haven't got the time to do the process properly. You don't, do, you don't have time to do any research. If you go through your process properly, doing all the background research you should be doing and all of you know, the user experience and information architecture work you might have to do as well and any kind of testing, nothing's validated. If you just jump straight into design, 
do some random concepts that really aren't based on anything other than some, your own design opinion around what they should do, it's it's just throwaway and essentially a complete waste of everybody's time. Yeah, I would like to go. I'd love to go to a pitch having done like three months of user experience work and brought it up through the research, and um, and maybe just deliver them kind of an entire business solution in front of their eyes. But yeah, I certainly yeah that kind of spec work pitching. I mean, is is definitely never done that. Mm. Oh, maybe I like. I think we gave an idea of what a homepage wireframe might be once or something like on on request but no because yeah like you say that's not a serious design process in fact these days i mean we're not you know spec works a slightly different issue because it can happen outside of pitching as well but yeah it's almost something these days you can flip on its head and basically make out that anyone who does do spec spec work isn't isn't a serious option um but back then i suppose that was what everyone else was turning up with so if you didn't turn up with it yeah I remember being at the V&A Museum and people would turn up with basically the entire website, like kind of cut out and put on sort of um, that kind of foam board stuff. Yeah, yeah, I remember doing that a lot. Yeah, it was like, here it is. It's like You'd, you'd go in with big, big foam board printouts, <laughs> A3 printouts of websites and like just madmen style, flip through them one by one. Pretending to <laughs> click on them. <laughs> if you click here it's going to go to this board <laughs> i'd like to see that now get some um get some foam board css3 animations going <laughs> some transitions like throw one board out the window Ooh. bring the other one in go yeah. to hover right now and check foam boardio as a domain and see if it's available <laughs> but yeah um no i think the pitching generally we haven't done it often enough to actually be any good at it, mm-hmm. way too naive at it. You know, if 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 it's a pitch situation, the likelihood of me having the experience or us having the experience to actually go in and do ourselves justice is so low. Like it's a sales game, really. It's not you can't go in there and show what you're made of as a designer or a developer. I, and I always try to. So that's what, that's so it goes wrong because you're not you don't go in and give them the perfect vision. Mm-hmm. You go you go in and give them what you think is is an interesting dose of reality and and how the process might work and it gets blown out of the water by the next people coming in and and bsing everywhere you know <laughs> yeah i'm sure there's a lot of that that goes on and uh but it, so you when you're winning you work mm-hmm. the the people who are coming to you you're you, in every situation you're the only people they're considering no not at all that's pretty rare mm-hmm. normally we're a serious option though and i think i think that's another thing about about this kind of process is that if people have a procurement process which involves needing to see a certain amount of agencies the likelihood or getting a certain amount of proposals the likelihood is they probably already have a favorite you know mm-hmm. someone they've worked with before yeah just someone they want to give the work to you know the and i suppose it's kind of like it's always a bit of a warning sign if you're suddenly asked if you'll go in and pitch. So you think that they're just, they've got a preferred favourites. They, they're just doing due diligence in asking a few people to get some other quotes and to see what other options are out there. Yeah. And you're pretty much there to make up the numbers. I think that can be the case. Yeah, I agree. And it, I think a good question to ask, because obviously, you know, once you've spoken to them, which is going to happen before you, you go into a pitch or proposal situation, 
you know, is to actually literally outright ask that to get yeah. to get a grasp on the situation and what the, the level of competition is like and whether it's worth you putting in any effort at all. Just turn around and straight out ask people, are we here to make up the numbers? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. If there's like an enormous pause, you probably are. Yeah. <laughs> I think both of these things we're talking about, pitching and proposals, you almost just want them to be like the last step. Like that's why pitching is so it's so hard for it to be the last step. It's like most work you win, I feel, you're the one who was the favourite and the others are making up the numbers. Mm-hmm. You know? And you sort of know when you're that person. Then so it's just kind of a formality. And if pitching if you're not going into a pitch and it being a formality, then you've got so little control. I, we still don't really go for them very often. I mean, I, I think we'll, we may do more as we grow a bit and maybe maybe it's what the next rung up the ladder looks like in terms of winning work. I don't know. You perhaps work with bigger stuff than we do. How, how, so how often, are you, how often are you pitching? Most of the time, yeah, I would say. And when I say pitching, I mean we're not, we're not doing any creative work. We're putting a proposal forward. Got we're going to meet them. We're talking through that proposal, mm-hmm. and they're talking to other people. Oh, okay. Yes, that's all. That's always the case with us. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think, but even that proposal, I've recently kind of wised up a bit on this. Um, kind of, I've got a little bit into sales, which is, uh, I suppose, not surprising. My dad's a salesman, and generally, I'm turning to him, and uh, so basically been really trying to work on making the proposal like just the icing on the cake so essentially rather than do like a proposal will take me x amount of hours to write yeah and normally most of that time is spent with me fretting about what i'm putting in it you know and going oh do we sound good enough and and this and that and have i explained responsive design well enough in this bit you know and then i sort of realized that's not really what this thing's for so what we do now is normally have a meeting and then if I think that meeting's gone well, they may be asking for a proposal. I then actually just get them back together to do a workshop with them. Mm-hmm. So just like an hour. Yep. But in that in that workshop, I'll basically do like a few little exercises that you'd probably do in a project, you know, maybe in a kickoff meeting. Mm-hmm. But I just sort of bring like mini versions of them into that hour to basically one just get a bit of trust going with them they go oh this person's actually providing value already and two the answers to those things are basically what goes into the proposal mm-hmm. you know so if we're doing we do an exercise around what marketing channels someone might use so we get all the marketing channels put them on the table which ones do you like which ones have you tried and to them it's a way of saying okay how they're helping me decide how to use my marketing budget to us we're just listening to them say to us we think that content marketing is a good idea, you know, and so we can then go, okay, that's going in the proposal, you know, um, yep. and so you're sort of speaking back to them the things that they think are a good idea. Um, I mean, obviously, as long as you think they're a good idea, I mean, it's not tr- totally cynical, <laughs> but but, um, <laughs> but then for me, like by the time you're putting the proposal in, you feel it's almost just about kind of wrapping it all up and saying, there you go, you know. I think I'm leaning a lot less on proposals, part mainly because, like I say, I used to use them to try and do the selling, and now I realise that actually you, you can't. You need to be doing it. Mm, yeah, you can't really sell in a proposal. 
No. And if you try, you end up with a 30-page document that no one's going to read anyway. Completely. So I've stripped right back. I used to do that as well. In fact, we, um, the, when, I, when I saw we were talking about this, the first thing that came to mind was uh, we once worked with this charity and, um, and the guy came and met us and it, we had a brilliant meeting with him and we were like, this is, this is great. And he said, cool, send me over a proposal. And we just were a bit busy, so we just we had like this kind of really rambling proposal. Sent him that over, and um, and he basically rang me up and just had the biggest go at me about it. Like he was genuinely, <laughs> he was genuinely really upset about how. I mean, I I can't get this signed off with this. <laughs> yeah, complete. That was it. He was like, he was like, what you got to understand is that there's other people here. I've got to show this to. And he's like, we had such a good meeting, and it was like he took it really personally, and I was just like. He's completely right. It is total rubbish. <laughs> like I was just like, I can't believe we send this to people. It's so like it's just sort of explained every step of our process way too in way too much detail. Now I basically just go about four or five outcomes. So just don't I don't even talk about process anymore, really. It's just mm-hmm. like here's the outcomes based on everything we've heard. You know, and so now when I'm talking to people, I'm just constantly every time I hear something that, that they want to happen, I write it down after the meeting, just put them in put them in a file somewhere so that when it comes to proposal i'm literally spending half the time because i'm just taking each one of those writing something mildly fluffy about it and then yeah sending it over yeah i think we do a reasonably similar thing again it really depends on the size of the project you're going for and the bigger the business usually the more people involved in the decision making process are and you're not always going to meet them all in advance so we, we would never put anything forward without having a meeting first and speaking to them and doing what you said basically a mini mm-hmm. workshop of sorts where we're trying to extract as much information about the project and the brief as we possibly can to get a good handle on what's going on yeah it's essentially a mini workshop of sorts and talking about possible ideas you know the should woulds coulds of the project what they really what are their priorities and trying to understand what we might put in a proposal for for the budgets that that hopefully they've laid out for us or that they expect us to put forward but i i get a feeling if if you're going in for a really big project i i kind of feel like there's a need to put a little bit more effort Mm -hmm. into the proposal like there's some sort of scale yeah scale to it like you know this is going to be huge this this requires some documentation and bigger companies sometimes you know they'll the one we did this week they hired a specialist to run the whole process and obviously they had like a big checklist of things that you needed to do and a big load of hoops you have to jump through in order to be able to submit the document in the first wow. place. So it required a lot of stuff. So it, it ended up being 30 odd pages long. And Gosh. we had a separate deck to go in and present for two hours and, and talk through everything. So it was a bit of a process, but it'll completely be worth it if we win it. And it's worth putting in the effort for that particular example, just mm. because of the scale of it and the amount of work involved. It, it it makes sense but for other projects it doesn't always make sense and if you're meeting with the key decision makers anyway you can be a bit leaner with the proposal and Mm -hmm. yeah exactly that just put in what is absolutely necessary to seal the deal sure i have this issue too but how do you know what level to go to in terms of you know so that workshop you could almost call that spec work in a way you're providing value you're not getting Mm -hmm. paid do you just dish them out or because I've uh, several times I've definitely gone to someone 
just to fill the gap at the end of the meeting. Okay, we'll get your proposal next week. And then God, why did I say that? I've got to write a proposal now and 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 I don't even want it. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, how do you like? Because it's a bit rude to be like, "Can we have a proposal?" Mm, how much money you got? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like how do you, how do you kind of decide what what level to go to? I think really serious people and big projects they were they they state the budgets up front it's just part of it and mm-hmm. they need you need to be fully aware of what you've got to work with because people in those situations with that scale of projects they're they've been around the houses they know the process they know there's no point in hiding the budget they know what they, they've got to work with even if it's an unrealistic one you would you would tell them that and just go in with much more which mm-hmm. is what we did this week <laughs> nice that even if you don't I don't know. Sometimes it's really hard to tell, isn't it? So it could go down like a lead balloon. It could completely blow people's minds how much you you might suggest you need to get the job done properly. Um, but I think that comes down to experience on on their end, really, and what what they've been exposed to, what they're used to paying, and what idea they have about what they can get for their money. And on occasion, we've we have put a lot of work into a proposal, mm-hmm. and like done a, a pretty comprehensive document because we thought this is going to be a big project if we're going to take this on this is this is going to be like you know hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of work yeah this is really worth doing a pretty comprehensive document for I, I would spend like at least an entire week putting something together and crafting it and doing many many revisions to get it just so send it off don't hear anything yeah absolutely <laughs> nothing silence on the other end and it's in those situations where you've got to try and avoid the higher the higher the input the higher the risk and the more you've got to try and understand about it from the outset in order to mm. to be able to decide whether it's worth putting in that effort because a week's worth of work is is a is a large chunk of resource for a small company absolutely no i i think the thing i've come to do is i sort of use these things now um a bit like trading cards in a way so it's like the you know if you if the person wants to have a meeting i need to know x y and z you know and so you're like giving and receiving so if they so when it comes to the proposal i'm like if i'm trading a writing a proposal in they've got to tell me their budget Mm -hmm. you know i mean they've got to they've got to at least give me an indication of where they're at with that yeah you know and sort of the same with the workshop as well if someone says you know if at the end of that first meeting i'm kind of like how much you know what budget have you got and they say oh you know not telling you kind of thing in that case i'll be like okay well here's an average project price or a minimum project price mm-hmm. and if that and if that's okay come come for the meeting you know what i mean yep. you do get people going i haven't got that i can have the meeting anyway but mm-hmm. you know i mean you just got to be polite to them but yeah no it's 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 it, it is quite difficult and i think it's the sinking of time into especially the thing I have trouble with or had trouble with, I mean, now I'm more full-time, like, managing rather than trying to develop at the same time. When I was developing at the same time, my problem was the time sink of this stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, I think I just said in my head, none of it's worth it. You know, pitches and proposals, if people don't want to work for us, then with us rather, then, well, that's that. Mm-hmm. But I think I was just kind of basically trying to make an excuse for the fact that we just didn't have the time to do that stuff properly. I still don't think we do. I mean, I would absolutely. I mean, how much your your actual proposal document is it different every time, or have you got a? 
a set that, that we have like a default template but it's constantly evolving because we always think you know it's hard it's hard to just let it let it be and and think oh we could make this better every time you, you come back to it with fresh eyes like a couple of weeks later when it's time to do something else and you look at it again oh. and you, you just see room for improvement mm. and especially right now we're in like a phase where we're we're thinking a lot about how we talk about ourselves because we're trying to redo our website mm-hmm. and when you go through that process it really makes you question how you how you talk about yourselves as a business and and the way you present yourselves and so that that doesn't help right now that we've no. been through this big retrospective period <laughs> perfectionism that's the problem that's the problem i have we're getting better at it and the more we do the better we get and the more structure these things take on but it's usually a case of opening the last one you did and using that as a template and changing everything that needs to be changed. Um, yeah. they, 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 they follow a formula. One thing we've started doing recently, because if, if it's being circulated to quite a few people and you're not sure how many it's going to be mm-hmm. and you haven't met everybody who's going to be in that decision-making process, then definitely good to do things like an executive summary in the document right mm-hmm. at the front. Try and get it on one single page, summarize everything that's in it, including the prices, put them all there, bang, on the front page. So anyone who's too busy doesn't get this really long, boring document that they don't want to read and have to hunt for the things that are going to help make their mind up. That's good. If it's way out of reach, they'll just put it down immediately and move on. Yep. That's almost good. That's almost a good piece of uh, user experience design. <laughs> exactly, user experience design in PDF form. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so PDF. I was about to say, break it down. Like, uh, what what do you actually create this thing in? Oh, we write it in being you know being designers. We we make it in InDesign. Yeah, Tom's got me using InDesign. It's great for doing documents and having you know having a style to them because they all look branded and and you mm. know we've got our style of documents which we're quite fond of and. Gives you all the typographic controls to do nice layout and everything, and easily export to PDF and stick a load of images and text together. It's it's the best mm-hmm. thing. But I, I I always write it in a word processor. Yes, it used to be words. Now, then, Google Docs we use a lot more, and started using Dropbox Paper quite a bit recently, just just okay. to get this stuff down in a form where everyone who can contribute to it can see it easily. And yep. It just makes it easier to edit, and I can do that wherever I am on any device. That makes it quite easy. Yeah, get get the words right, and then get it all into a nice structured format. And these documents, the the main part changes every time. There's a similar structure that we would usually abide by, depending on the project. And then everything else just goes in the appendix, right? Including like process stuff, a little bit about us, some case studies, um, mm-hmm. full terms and conditions, that sort of stuff. Bang it all in the appendix right at the back, and that they only have to go through that if they have to. But the the meat of it is in the initial couple of pages. So we've, the one, yeah, I mean, I'm rewriting ours all the time and I've started, which I'm quite enjoying, is pulling, like almost doing pull quotes out of those case studies and and having us, you know how we are on our website with our little faces and we're saying stuff sometimes. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so... We actually like we'll stick that into the into the front bit. Nice, it's quite editorial approach. It's like a pullout in a magazine. Yes, completely. Uh, so you have like an outcome, like more leads will be generated by this amazing new website, mm-hmm. and then maybe you'll have a pull quote. You have one of us with a pull quote saying, "What's really important is tracking 
those and having some good metrics, you know, and it'll be like almost <laughs> one of us just chipping in and nice. um, and then and then maybe a pull out of a case study just giving a top line, you know, we achieve this for this client. And that's when I'm kind of like, I'd love them to be, I know you can link around in PDFs, but um, I've I've got a dream of like an online proposal and I've had it for so long, but I'm just I, like a, you know what I mean? I'm like, we're a web, we're a web company. Why are we, you know? You know, they just want to print it out, Dan. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's all they want to do. It's print so it out low. 30 times and circulate it around the office. That's true. And I think that's probably, again, another good user experience point, knowing actually yeah. how people want to consume this stuff. But, um, but yeah, and we did try, like, one of the... There's, like, a few tools now, like, a few SaaS tools. Like, um, uh, there's one called Proposify. Yeah, I've seen these. Oh, it's a bit painful, to be honest. I mean, I got the point. Of, I got the point of it, but yeah, I I dabbled, but it, it is, yeah. And unless it doesn't fit your company, your process, and your character, yes, I think it would be brilliant if you were generating a couple of proposals every day um, for something like you know you were a, a painter and decorator or 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 some you know something where you're just like quite high volume on the proposals and lots of fixed prices for things, um, and you just like because because it had stuff like you could choose which bits. You know, the person can actually tick what they wanted on the proposal, right. and then say, and then say accept, and it's just like, well, that's, that's not going to work, is it? I won't have the project management. I will have the design. <laughs> I bet there's still a print button though. Yeah, of oh, course. Big time. <laughs> yeah. Big time. Yeah, we're not paper people. We uh, with the proposal we did the other day that was it was like thirty six pages long, including the appendix, which was most of it, to be fair. Like uh, our stapler couldn't even staple it <laughs> without that unused to having that much paper around. I had to had to split it up into thirds and staple this thing three times. <laughs> that's that's serious. That's serious. Just so I thought, wow. oh, I better go in with some paper copies just in case. Uh, there's a little leave behind. Yeah, yeah, that didn't quite work out as I planned. <laughs> Are you? Is it? Is it portrait or landscape? Uh, it's portrait A4. Yeah, make it easy to print. Yeah, standard document stuff. <laughs> okay, just checking. Is yours landscape? Uh, no, but I have seen some landscape ones. Interesting. Yes, that's that's yeah. very very unusual. Okay, well, yeah, I, but I'm glad to know that the um, that even the more forward thinking of us are still uh, PDFing those proposals up. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I think I think it's still the easiest way. Um, mm. It's what they want. Yeah, it's what they want, which is more important. Um, and it's just easy for them, easy to circulate. It's a form that people are used to. Things like your terms and conditions are all in that format, and it just makes a lot of sense. Mm. The key is just not to waffle. Get it concise. Make sure there's a executive summary on the cover page so people can get a glance of what's going on. Yeah, make sure you meet with them. That's the important thing. Mm. That's a lesson we've learned this year in particular. Uh, we did a big proposal that... We spoke to these people on the phone. We had a big, long conversation about the brief, about the project. It seemed like an enormous piece of work. We put together our proposal. I spent nearly a week doing it. It was huge. It was a massive piece of work. Um, at least we thought it was, should have been. And sent the proposals off. Didn't hear anything. Checked in with them. Tried to check in. Didn't hear anything. After the deadline, nothing. And checked in like five times and didn't hear anything back whatsoever. And I think wow. it was one of those scenarios where, yeah, I thought it was a little bit 
a little bit rude, I guess, <laughs> if, if someone's gone to that extent and done all that work for you. Even if we completely blew their budgets, which they wouldn't give us up front. Just just to let us know that and to give us some, we're asking for some feedback or, you know, a couple of weeks go by, you think, oh, okay, I assume, I hope you managed to find someone for the project, assuming that they probably found someone by now. It would be possible just to get a bit of feedback just to understand um, yeah. and why we didn't win or what, what we, what maybe we could have done differently so we can learn from it. Nothing. <laughs> just, so after that case in particular, it happened previously a lot with a smaller scale, but after that, made the decision never going to actually go to the, the hassle of creating a proposal if we haven't had that workshop meeting. Yep. Must meet them, must talk to them, must make an impression, must show, demonstrate some value and a little mm. bit of a glimpse to the process that we might go through in that workshop, in that meeting. And from it, at the same time, we get what we need to put the proposal together. Yeah, I, I agree. I think we're going we're going through quite an interesting one at the moment, which I think I might use to sort of maybe change how or change how we do this stuff a little bit, which is the guy's got a just a Google spreadsheet of the features he wants. Mm-hmm. And so before we're doing a proposal, so we met a couple of times and you know, I think it's it's it looks good. Um and now actually I'm just gonna get shared his Google spreadsheet and go in and stick some costs next to each feature then then get him on the phone and go through them and that spreadsheet's then just at the end just going to be put into the into the pdf obviously because without mm-hmm. that it's not um it's not proper but um but you know like i think there's lots i think the ways of getting to that proposal are like that's if the proposal is a bit stale and boring and pdf the ways of getting there can be where you get creative you mm-hmm. know and i think that's that's the bit that's the bit it should be challenging not not potentially me trying to do web proposals or anything like that, but actually it's kind of like, how creative can I be from getting from first contact through to proposal? Yeah, you know what what sort of things what what, what can I challenge about the status quo? Yeah, I agree. Because if you do it differently, like the way I'm doing it now, I'm guaranteed to like be face to face twice. Mm-hmm. That's potentially you know a hundred hundred percent more than the people we're up against, and there's no you know and the other thing about the other thing about having that second contact is they'll speak to you, they'll speak to a load of other people. Someone else might start talking about a different approach. Mm-hmm. You speak to them again, and you learn that different approach, and you and you can either counter it or say, okay, yeah, we can do that. If you propose on what you knew a week ago, that can be a long time. You know, that can things can have really changed in their mind. And then your proposal is stuck on how they were thinking when they first met you. Like you really want the proposal to be exactly what the, the thinking at the, the exact time they make the decision. Mm-hmm. And in, in, even a few days away, if they're speaking to other people, their their idea of what can be achieved and what the requirements are can can change. Yeah, yeah, I agree. The more information you can be armed with at the beginning, the better. Mm. The more of a relationship you can build with that potential new client, the better. Uh, so yeah, the more the more times you can arrange to see them, I think you're going to be in a better position because mm. you started building that relationship, that trust, and hopefully demonstrate during those periods that that you know what you're talking about and are going to be a good good partner for helping them out. Completely, I've started listening to a podcast by an American guy called "The Brutal Truth of Selling." Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> you may, I I imagine. A lot of people would listen to it and go, "This is appalling," 
but it is direct it's like really for like salesmen you know what i mean like people that just generally sell they're not got an actual speciality they're just they're just there to sell yeah but i find him really interesting what he talks about is having like a momentum with these things so having always having the next meeting in the in the diary yeah just always keeping a momentum up on on these things like it was his his thing was that card trading thing you know you if you're going to give him something get something back yep what was his other thing? Oh yeah, never, never just follow up. That was his other thing, which I think is quite valuable. It's like if, you know, if you're emailing and there's literally no value in that email, like to them, then that email is probably not going to get answered. That's when you. That's what. That's why people go quiet because you're just not providing them any value anymore. And although I like to think people are polite, they're not. You know what I mean? Like they, 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 they're, they're potentially embarrassed. You know. So, so his thing is to basically try to never get yourself into a position where you've got nothing to give, mm-hmm. and after the and after the proposal, you pretty much have nothing to give. So you've really like you've really got to hold off on the proposal until the absolute last minute, where you think I'm sure this is going to get me the work. Mm-hmm. And even then, you can put the proposal in and go through it with them. You know, you can you can do that in person on a call, or, or you know, we did that recently, and it's you know it's great. Like any concerns you just see it straight away and say well this is a this is oh yeah his other thing this is a draft proposal like have everything as draft so never you know always be like we need to discuss this because this is draft oh okay that's a good idea it's just how many ways can you get to like speak to them again still have something to give them yeah those there's a few things there it's kind of like I just had never thought of doing them. And it's not like breaking my like ethics, you know, how I want to work. Mm-hmm. It's just actually selling yourself a bit better. Yeah. And I, I, we would never put in a proposal that we don't actually talk through with them either. Mm-hmm. Um, unless in the previous workshop, you've covered off all of that stuff already. And it's really just a reiteration of the things you said there, put on paper in a more official form that needs to get signed off. Yeah. If it's not that, if it's stuff they haven't seen this can't be the only way they see it you know you need to be there to talk through it with them yeah they'll have questions that need answering and you may then update the document after that chat and say oh look just let me let me update that based on the things we just discussed and we'll get that down because it's an important document and it forms the basis of the contract that you're going to sign and agree to Mm -hmm. what's in that proposal is what's signed off on on the contract Uh, so it needs to be pretty accurate absolutely and they need to be aware of what's in it yeah completely and i think you should be able to stick anything in it i think like you said, you've got that spreadsheet, whack it in there. From these meetings, if you've got any sketches that you've done as part of the process to get to the point where you're at, then just just stick it all in there. It's all relevant and it's all part of the things you've been discussing to get that far. That's an amazing idea. Yeah, whack it in. Even if you're just doing a, you know, you could just do a site map or you know, here's where you are now. These are the things we discussed where you should be going. This isn't necessarily the results that we're going to be basing it on, but this is a starting point. Mm. It, it just covers off everything that you've talked about up to that date. Yeah. Well, now we're doing these workshops. You're right; they pretty much should go in. People should be more open. I'd love, I'd love to see everyone's proposals. Yeah, we, we should do a swap. We can swap. That's not hard. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's a, like a social network we could start where where agencies just upload proposals and uh, and share them for everyone else to see. A guy I went with once, like got hold of a load of agencies with a fake project i was like i can't believe you've done that that's completely unethical <laughs> you've made them do work but he picked like people that probably had the resource to do it but he just wanted to see what people's proposals were wow gorilla 
Yes, <laughs> that was quite interesting. Yeah, no, I, I think it's kind of, I'd love to see how people sell themselves. Yeah, it's fascinating. You know, when we when we partner up with people, because obviously we, we only do a user experience design part and we have development partners. And, yeah, okay. And in those scenarios, you get to see the other people's proposals and it's absolutely fascinating. Mm. People are really good at talking about themselves and, and the way they do work, I find. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be interesting to get someone else's opinion on, on ours and, and get a peer's opinion on something that you've written about yourself because I, I find it's really hard to write about yourself. Mm. No, we need to we need to sort out this proposal swap where maybe where this is entire podcast can lead to but some kind of like reality show with like agencies sort of competing against each other in the style of you know like master chef or something it's the site mapping round come on down <laughs> <laughs> but you know what i mean it would be great to have people like judged in in that way because they do it with like game development right mm-hmm. there's been like shows about people making computer games like teams competing against each other I'd love to see just people making a, a site for a school. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> There's some value in what you're saying, right? It's like getting getting a third party opinion on on what on mm. what you're doing. I think that's a good thing. Like, yeah, because we're doing this business mentor thing. That I know you're, you're doing something similar. Uh, one of the things we did with him in the last session we had was we went through our proposal structure. Like the last proposal we did, we went through it, and he came up with some really really brilliant suggestions because he's he's obviously come from big business background seen a lot of them over the years Mm -hmm. he knows what he wants to see when he looks at these types of things and had a lot of input to give i wonder wonder if there's like a gap in the market here for some like a service where you could submit your proposal to this third party and they'd completely analyze it and tear it apart and give you loads of really good suggestions on what what would be a way to improve it there's a business model i think low-level robo mentor is what what you're talking about i'd buy that for a dollar (laughs) yes yeah (laughs) good good reference i I guess if there was too much outside influence like with these services or with a third party then maybe they'd all the aggregate of proposals across the board would start to all look the same they would slowly just evolve into one one race of proposals (laughs) (laughs) proposal singularity yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, but maybe that's a good thing. Well, the clients are going to compare these things, right? So they're looking at trying to compare the differences. So I guess the more similarities in structure, maybe the easier it might be to compare them. That's food for thought. Are we not three sixty now? Back to like suggesting that pitching for, for formulaic structured pitching is the only way to decide. <laughs> oh, uh, well. I think there's there's value in the, in the individuality that you can bring, but I think yeah. I think some standardization and structure would would certainly help everybody involved cool okay so to wrap this up when you're doing these proposals how do you then assuming everything gets the green light Mm -hmm. do you just then turn that into a contract and just go right sign at the end if the proposal's been solid enough a lot of the time our proposals say wait and see Mm -hmm. because generally I think possibly a difference in our in our sort of businesses and workflows is that you know whereas you're maybe saying this is how much design work we think we need we're often saying there are lots of ways to achieve this technically let's wait and see you know the the beginning of the project will actually be the scoping bit so sometimes they're a bit wishy-washy on that front so we do we do sometimes if 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 they've actually spelled it out but no often often the contracts will just say 
we're going to build you a website. Don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is really reassuring. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then some stuff about you know you got you're going to have to pay for it. Stuff like yeah, that. yeah. But no, yeah, we don't. No, we don't generally. But I can see. I want our. I want to document like spec a lot, a lot better. Um, yeah. You know, and we and we're get and we're getting there on that. Um, that's part of the project. So, but I. But yeah. what I do want is what we're starting to do is having like phases where, after this phase, the spec here's the spec, and let's yep. almost put that with the contract. Although we haven't really done that. That's that'll be the next bit. So, okay. so yeah. So yes and no in terms of that. Yeah, yeah. We we would. It depends on the scenario as well. Yeah. So if if it's something that is pretty defined and we we can deliver a, a fixed price, we'll turn that directly into the contract. They sign it, done and dusted. Issue the deposit invoice. Sometimes if it's unclear because the spec, there needs to be a reasonable amount of work done to figure out exactly what it is you're going to do, which happens mm-hmm. quite often. We will go in with a range and just say that this the proposal says this is the range. It can be anywhere from here to here. You're agreeing yeah. to that in principle with this contract and we will work out between us, you know, what that what that final figure is once we've done a bit more work when we're a bit further down the road. But you are agreeing in principle to pay somewhere between this range and we will agree the price a bit later on. Absolutely. And you know it's serious because it's PDF'd. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's real, man. And I've printed it. <laughs> yeah. And any other scenario is obviously if we're just doing things agile and we just say that it's this much time you're buying. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, yeah. you know, the, the time value is fixed and then either the, the scope or the, the some other variable needs to be flexible in order to hit hit the time deadlines unless, unless they want to extend that with another contract. Right. Got you. Good stuff. Well, I hope that's been of use to some people. Absolutely. I gave away all my secrets. Yeah. <laughs> That's the whole idea, Dan. Yeah. Yeah, we should definitely do that that uh proposal swap. I think be, we could uh, we could both learn a lot from each other. So So maybe that's an episode in itself. <laughs> we can analyze each other's tear down. Yeah, proposal smackdown. <laughs> Deproposals. <laughs> no, cool. Brilliant. Good stuff. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, you can find us online at perspective.fm. We are on iTunes now. Thanks to everybody who's already rated us there. That's great. Anyone who hasn't, please head on over to iTunes. Give us a rating. That really helps us out a lot. We are underscore perspective.fm on the Twitters. Uh, I've been John Dark. I am from Every Interaction. That's everyinteraction.com at everyinteract on Twitter. And Dan, where can people find you? Um, I'm at wearelighthouse.com and at wearelighthouse on on the Twitter. Fantastic. If anyone has any uh, comments or uh, feedback, please do that on our website and we shall see you all next time. Thanks very much. Cheers, Dan. Cheers, John.